VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio. This is your host, Jill Buck. I am so glad to have you on today. We've got a great show today because we are going to spotlight the Go Green Initiative Schools of the Year. If you want to know how schools really go green and what they do to go green, we are going to be talking to the two top schools that are going to be winning awards at this year's 2008 Go Green Earth Summit. And I'm going to talk more about that event in a little bit. But uh, these guests are pretty special. You've heard the phrase, think globally and act locally. But these guests on today's show won't be satisfied until the planet is saved, period. Um, They are thinking globally and acting globally, and they've really set the bar for schools worldwide. And uh, we're going to be talking first to the principal of my children's school, Bill Radulovich. He's the principal of the world's first Go Green Initiative School, Walnut Grove Elementary in Pleasanton, California. Now, I was the PTA president um, at his school, probably driving him up the wall, uh, but we had a great time, and we started the Go Green Initiative together in 2002, and I am so thrilled to have the man we call Mr. Rad on campus on the show today. Welcome, Bill Radulovich. Oh, thank you, Jill. Thank you. <laughs> now, Bill, you're the principal of Walnut Grove Elementary, and, and when I was telling you that we were going to be doing the Go Green Initiative, and we were going to be the first in the nation, um, it probably sounded like, wow, first of one. It wasn't that exciting. No, it's exciting. Uh, this program is in all 50 states. We're on 13, in 13 countries, four continents, but uh, you really started it all, and you're going to be named the Go Green School of the Year, and uh, I'm just curious, besides thinking, uh, hey, Jill, it's about time we're the School of the Year, what are your thoughts about this award? <laughs> well, Jill, you know, it's, uh, I guess I can speak not just for myself, but for this this entire general community, our, our kids, the teachers, the parents, our corporate and nonprofit partners. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. I mean, this is, it's, it's really, it's such an honor to, to receive this award. And, you know, really given the, the number of schools that have jumped on board with Go Green since that, uh, you must recollect that fateful day back in August of 2002. <laughs> it is, right. Yeah, it's an amazingly treasured surprise. I mean, we, you know, we've been doing these things, but uh, gosh, to be named uh, Go Green School of the, uh, of the Year, is, uh, it's an amazing honor. Thank you so much. Well, it's well-deserved, and in fact, you know, we've taken camera crews and reporters of all kinds, you know, through the school. You've had all kinds of media and, and outside, off-the-campus interest in what you're doing at Walnut Grove, and um, from sea to shining sea, Walnut Grove Elementary has really set the bar, but let's back up. We're going to talk about why that is in a minute, but let's back up, like you said, to that fateful day uh, back in August of 2002 uh, when I had wrote the Go Green Initiative, and I, I was talking to you. I think we were sitting down at the club that we both work out at, and uh, and I presented you this program right before we went back to school. And, and just for all of you out there, just so you know, this is the year in 2002 that Walnut Grove Elementary was being demolished. We had moved the campus into portable trailers to the side of the campus. All of the buildings were demolished, and the buildings were reconstructed that year. Probably the worst possible case scenario to start a brand new program. But Bill, being the trooper that he is, was 
totally on board to start the Go Green initiative that year. What were you thinking at that time? Be honest. Tell our <laughs> listeners. That was quite a leap of faith. What were you thinking? Well, you know, my thoughts kind of travel uh, all over the universe with relative to that day and that moment because <laughs> so much has transpired in the last six years. But, you know, there were days following that during construction when, when I did wonder, you know, about what are we doing here? What was I thinking? But, you know, actually, Jill, the timing could not have been better. You know, the idea, you know, of rebuilding an entire school, you know, from the bottom up, you know, really not only provided us an opportunity to incorporate some, some green practices, efficiency, uh, gosh, technologies and within the facility and things like that, but it also provided a sort of a symbolic uh, rebirth of our school, you know, mm-hmm. a chance to rebrand or sort of, you know, really repurpose ourselves as we rebuilt from the ground up. And, you know, so it, it really gave us that symbolic moment uh, to really initiate and to launch this, but probably even more important than that, what was really driving me was the same stuff that I think fuels all of your cells on a, on a daily basis and energizes you, is, was this notion that we can change the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know that this is pretty quixotic thinking, and, and people you know, are, are inclined to dismiss that. The cynical world is anyhow, but, you know, but history and science are so filled with stories about people who were either too stupid or are, are too stubborn to accept the limits that we often impose on ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. you know, guys like so you know, like like Mendel. You know, where Frederick Mendel, uh, the the world of genetics would never have been if he would have been, you know, walked away when he was scoffed at and ridiculed. Galileo was put in house arrest because he was such a fool for the rest of his life. But you mm-hmm. know, fools happen to be role models for for some of us, I guess, huh? Well, that is so true, and I think that's why you know somehow the stars aligned when you and I came together. You as the principal, me as the PTA president, because we do share that um, that belief that especially through children, the world can be saved. And how could we give up hope on that? Because, you know, we both share this um, this concern and love for children and, their, and concern for their future. How could we possibly not believe yeah. that we can save the planet on their behalf? So true. So true. I mean, you know, the question, you know, we all face is, you know, we either accept the world as it is uh, and pass that on to our children, or we imagine one, you know, that, that's, that's different and better. And we go about the business of creating that reality. And, you know, I know that I'm preaching to the choir, and we're probably, you know, singing to the choir together, the two of us, but it's a question we just can't afford to ignore. The longer we do, the more difficult the resolution. Well, and I know that my listeners out there are thinking, wow, what a lucky campus to have a principal with this point of view. But this is, this is an attitude that can be replicated. Bill Radulovich is a very special person, and everyone who has had a child go through Walnut Grove Elementary knows that that's true. Um, but what, what kind of advice would you give to principals who are faced with this opportunity to take a look at the Go Green initiative and, um, and perhaps bring it to their campus? Uh, what, what would you tell them about the program, and, and what advice would you give them? Well, you know, what we found was that, you know, it's, what's, what's so beautiful about the program is that it, 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 it's such a smorgasbord. It's a menu, you know, and it's not a prescription, which is why it works so well here and why it works, you know, I think has, has caught on so well. You know, you take a, a sort of a corpus of ideas and opportunities and notions, and then you look at the culture of your school, you know, and you say, how does this apply, and how do we adapt it? So it gives you an opportunity to sort of, 
you know, to sort of create uh, within each campus, given all the variables and, and all the cultural differences that exist from campus to campus, from state to state, and, you know, country to country now, and to take and, and adapt the kinds of things. And what, what we found, Jill, were things like, you know, we've moved, taking, you know, uh, Go Green allowed us to take this idea of recycling and reusing, you know, and develop it into a very systematic com- uh, community-wide kind of a process to where mm-hmm. now it's not only us, but it's corporations, it's, it's, it's families, and there are thousands of us now. We've gone all throughout the entire city, as you know, to where we, we, our efforts to recycle and reuse have ramped up and they've been coordinated in great ways. Well, and that is a great point, Bill. Talk about that a little bit more. You know, one of the things that I, I hoped would happen, but you can't be sure until you start the program, is that doing a program like this on a school campus would have a ripple effect out into the community. Talk about how that's happened in Pleasanton, California, when it started with you in Walnut Grove Elementary and and that community. How did it ripple out? Talk about that. It's amazing. I love your analogy. You know, it's like we were just sitting on a little surfboard somewhere out in the water, Mm -hmm. you know, and this this wave, uh, quite a, a big wave. I think a part of it was was propelled by Jill Buck, but this <laughs> this wave was just just a mess. And I think it's really this wave is the Green Revolution. You know, it would have been real easy to miss it because it was sort of a flattened out but thick groundswell at the time. Mm-hmm. But we wheeled our boards around and, and paddled, and it happened to catch it. And we caught on first of all with the recycling and some of the ideas around that and composting and gardening things that just seemed to work here. Mm-hmm. And as that caught on. And as we began to do that and do better at that, new things came forward. We found that we started to expand from, you know, from just paper to aluminum, glass, plastic, printer cartridges, e-cycling, uh, food waste. It just goes on and on. One thing begets another, and you get good at one, and you go, wow, why can't we do this? And it wasn't as though we set out with a master plan. It's as though this, the energy from this groundswell just sort of pushes things along. And what happened next was you helped us to get, to get this little photovoltaic, uh, PV on a stick a cell on our campus so we could study solar through PG&E. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And what happened there is, and it's a story that I've told all over the country, it's a, the little PV uh, photovoltaic cell that could, it's like that train that could, <laughs> it mushroomed into the first solar school district in mm-hmm. California and a system-wide uh, solar system that we have, a uh, generation system that we have in Pleasanton that is just, uh, just amazing, which then went on into world-class energy management systems that we have, world-class kind of energy-related uh, curriculum that goes in our schools. So all of these things tended to beget other ideas without really having, we didn't really have a master plan. Mm-hmm. All we had was just this openness to whatever seemed to be good and beneficial for kids, and they all just sort of threw go green and other opportunities. They just seemed to fall at our feet, and we grabbed them. Well, and, and that is the beauty of the Go Green Initiative, and again, why you and your campus are the standard bearers for it, because what you're describing is organic growth. It just happens naturally. You take one step, get comfortable with it, and then you take the next. And when you do that, as a campus community, it's sustainable. You create a program that's described with the same word that we hope the world will be described as, and that's sustainable. But, you know, one of the things that you were so good at, Bill, and this is something I really want other principals and other community leaders to hear about, you were able to get um, staff, teachers, really fired up about this. How did you do that? 
Well, you know, it's kind of interesting. And, and, and I, I just think there's, you know, it's like I see myself as just a, a passenger on a fast-moving train. <laughs> I happen to get on early, you know, and I think you helped me get admission into that and, and some others did. But I think that it's, you know, that it's a good train that's headed in the right direction. People see and they recognize it. It's being inclusive and it's, not being, and it's being open and it's allowing people to enter at the level at which they are comfortable mm-hmm. to bring to the, that, you know, on board to the train, you know, whatever, whatever it is that they have to offer. And it doesn't need to be much. All mm-hmm. it has to do is, you know, is just an intention, a desire to make a change to be willing to take that leap forward to make this a better, you know, a better planet, a better place for kids. And, you know, things that happened for us didn't happen again by design. We didn't say we're going to change the world or we're going to have a solar school district. We just said we want to make it better for kids because we have to change this planet. And whatever we can do, however meager it may be, it's better than nothing at all. And it's mushroomed. And people, that message, that idea, those opportunities, and the Go, the go Green sort of, if you will, uh, menu, the formulas and whatnot, mm-hmm. just allow themselves allow us to do that and to bring people on board and what's happened here over the last six years is just it's mind-blowing but it's mm-hmm. uh, it's all happened and it's you know and it's led to you know i've spoken all over the country not because i'm a great speaker but because oh, but you I have are. A story. <laughs> no, it's a story but the story isn't about me I, mean, I did nothing other than just happen to be on the train an observer who jotted some notes down during this uh, during this journey and a, an amazing one it's been well, it has been. And, Bill, I want to congratulate you and the entire campus of Walnut Grove Elementary as being named the Go Green School of the Year. It's beyond deserved, and uh, it's been a pleasure all these years working with you. And um, you're amazing, and congratulations. Thanks for joining us today on Go Green Radio. Well, Jill, you're amazing, and thank you for everything and all the opportunities, and best of luck with all your future endeavors. Well, thank you. And, folks, don't go away. We'll be right back after this break with Paul Ritter from Pontiac High School in Illinois. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to put the pep back in your step, Chad Lafferty's has just what you're looking for. Dance is life. Life is dance. It's only about dance. It's about moving through life with style, gaining awareness of the never-ending, ever-flowing movement that accompanies all of life's activities. Dance is life. Life is dance. Broadcast every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Radio Network. Be sure to tune in and tap into the limitless healing that dance can provide. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. 
Want pure inspiration and great ideas for action? Want to become successful beyond your hopes and dreams? Then tune in to Millionaire Mentor with best-selling author, one of the world's leading women entrepreneurs, and host, Luann Mitchell-Halter. Luann and her guests, all masters of global inspiration, share their secrets to manifesting and positive daily mental exercise principles. From how to get affordable health care to billionaire mentality and bankrupt no more imagery, Millionaire Mentor dares you to live the life you love and love Love the life you live. Millionaire Mentor with Luann Mitchell Halter broadcasts each Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Millionaire Mentor, achieve your greatest heights. Have you ever thought about having your own internet talk show? Well, if you said yes, then click About Us. Then click Be a Host to get more information. Or just call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417. Say that again. 480-294-6417. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. This is Jill Buck, and I am so excited to have you on today. We are talking to the Go Green School of the Year recipients this year. They're going to be awarded that honor at the Go Green Earth Summit, and we'll be talking about that event in just a few moments. But I am thrilled to have Paul Ritter on today. He's um, a teacher and a coach at Pontiac High School in Illinois, and they have developed an amazing program called Beat. P2D2, and we're going to talk about what that is and why they've won the Go Green School of the Year Award this year. Welcome, Paul. Thanks for coming on Go Green Radio. Jill, thanks, and I just want to say hi to everybody out there. It's nice to be able to have five million of my closest friends listen on this radio show. (laughs) It's like being in the middle of the living room and just chatting over coffee, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, you know what? I'm looking forward to, to having a good time talking to everybody. Oh, that's great. Well, now, Paul, this program, P2D2, started with a question from your wife. Tell yeah. us about how this program started. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, my wife and I, uh, we were uh, getting ready before school. Uh, it happened to be my wife's birthday, and uh, she was razzing me a little bit and said, okay, Mr. Ecology Guru, what are you going to do with all these pills that are left over in our, uh, in our cabinet? And to be honest with you, Jill, uh, I had no idea, uh, but I knew that there was an issue, uh, and I thought, okay, December 17th, 2007, here we go. We've got something to take to the kids. So I take it to my students the next day and say, okay, guys, here's, here's the deal. We've got, a, we've got an issue to look at. Let's see if we can come up with what's going on, what's the right method to do. And right off the get-go, I, I, I was very honest with my students and said, Hey, I don't know what the correct answer is. Uh, I knew what the answer was in previous years, and and uh, and that was to flush it down the toilet. And I knew that that just couldn't be right. And so we got uh, to doing some research and, and understanding what exactly was uh, that was involved in the process and what was happening. 
that's probably the biggest thing. We had to understand, um, you know, what was the current research out there. Right, uh, and what did you find? What we found was, uh, the, the first bit, bit of information was, uh, in 2002, the U.S. Geological Survey uh, did a sampling of 135 streams across the United States, uh, and to their dismay, uh, they 80% of them contain pharmaceuticals of some oh. sort. Now, uh, they didn't quite come out and, and test for every individual pharmaceutical. They had specific ones that they tested for. Uh, and, and the reality of the matter is, now that we knew that the stuff was there, we had to come up with a solution uh, that was a viable solution. So the kids went to work. They started pondering different questions, and we'd throw things up on the board, and we'd go back and forth. What do you think about this? Uh, Until we were able to come up with what we thought was a a reasonable solution. Uh, From that point, uh, the students contacted our local pharmacists, uh, police department, the mayor's office, um, Illinois American Water, which is our, our um, water company uh, for our, our area. Uh-huh. Um, we brought a lot of people in right off the bat and said, hey, here you go. Here's what we've found. Here's the information that we have. Um, we need to come up with solutions, but before we tell you what we think, we want to have an understanding of what what you guys think might be an option uh, an option to to deal with this. Uh-huh. And so right off the bat, we gave everybody a stake in it, and everybody had the equal opportunity to be a participant. Love and it. that was brought out by the students grabbing on to the shareholders of our community, the the, the pillars of uh, of our community, the people who work out there every day in the business, the police department, the pharmacies. And we all got together, sat in a roundtable session, came up with solutions, and then we, we went to work. Well, now tell me, let's, I want to back up to this finding of pharmaceuticals in the water supply. Yeah. Tell us what kind of pharmaceuticals, because when I read your program, you know, outline, I, I was pretty shocked at what was found in the water. Yeah, there, it, it, it's, it's really unfortunate uh, that we were uh, finding such shocking evidence. You know, everything from tranquilizers to birth control, um, all the way down to acetaminophen and caffeine. I mean, there's, there's a full range of complements uh, of, of different medicines that's, that's being found out there. And the reality is there's so many different uh, uh, pharmaceuticals that are out there, whether it be over-the-counter uh, uh, or prescription medication, uh, that the likelihood of finding it uh, is becoming increasing. Uh, so yeah. what, we're, what we're finding is whether it be, um, you know, Coumadin, which is blood thinner, or whether it's uh, acetaminophen or whether it's uh, you know, ibuprofen or, or any, any of these other products, you know, we'll, we're finding all these different medications in there. Um, but the, the neat thing about what we started out doing was is we're not pointing our finger at anyone. Right. Because the reality of the matter is um, all of us are users of the end product. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I happen to be on several prescriptions. All the students I know have taken ibuprofen at some point in time. Uh, you know, these are things that we are we are, are users of the product. So right. in order to not point fingers, what we try to do is find a way that everyone who was the end user could be a participant of solving the solution to the problem. Well, I've got a question for you. When your students learned about this, when they learned about the pharmaceuticals in the water, were they surprised that somebody hadn't already fixed this problem? Uh, you know what? Yes. 
Very mm-hmm. much so, because we sat around and thought, okay, what are the issues that are surrounding it? Why is it just now coming up if in 2002 the survey was put out there? Mm-hmm. How do you answer that question as a teacher? I mean, um, you, you've got such a positive attitude. I'm sure you had a, a positive response. What, how, do you, how do you encourage the kids? You know what? What we look at is, is I simply sit there and tell them, look, I'm not real sure why we haven't come up with this, but you guys are about ready to change the thought process of your community. And, 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 and that's the underlying thing. I mean, I, I don't have all the answers. And a lot of times I can't answer their questions without doing a lot of research myself. Right. And, and so... By allowing them to pose those questions and ask those questions and then letting them know, hey, I don't know all the answers, but you know what? We're going to find them together. I love that. I love that because what you're saying in that is, you know, just because I'm a grown-up and you're a student doesn't mean that there aren't things that nobody knows out there yet. You're right. And you have the ability to change the world. I I love this idea. You've empowered them um, as youngsters to believe that, you know, the solutions to every problem are not already known, and they can participate in finding out what those solutions are. What did they do? Um, What what happened when you developed the program? How did the community get involved, and what did it look like? Right off the bat, every group of people that we had represented, whether it be the pharmacists, whether it be the police departments, whether it be our mayor, the wastewater treatment plant guys, the water treatment, everyone said, you know what, you guys are right on the money. We believe in you. We understand what you're saying. And, and, and come straight out and said, hey, we'll help you find the solution. Let's all work together. We're not pointing fingers at anybody, you know. And, and so that's the thing that came out of it. And so we had several meetings after that and said, okay, what are the systems that are there? Our system utilizes existing infrastructure that's already there with our pharmacies and our police departments. Pharmacists have the ability to send back prescription medication that is not a controlled substance through their reverse distribution network, and police departments, through the DEA's rules and regulations, are able to take back controlled substances. We simply took a piece of the puzzle that we didn't actually know what the puzzle was going to entail, Uh and the kids turned it left and turned it right and finally matched up to where that puzzle piece fit in there together. So people in the community then could bag up their prescriptions they didn't need anymore or their medicines yes. and take them back to the pharmacist? Absolutely. The, uh, wow. And yeah. what kind of participation did you get? I mean, I know I saw a picture of a billboard that you have had up yeah. in town. How did you get people going on this program in the community? You know what? It's not a hard sell, Jill. You know, the, the thing is, is... Everybody, for some, I mean, reality of the matter is everybody has come to us and said, look, we like what you're doing. How can we be a part? I'll give you an example. A young lady came to my classroom. She says, Coach, I don't have you for class, and I would like to be a part of this program. What can I do? I said, whatever you think that you, you can help us out with, kind of give me an idea and get back to me, and let's see what we can do. She comes back with two drawings of myself and my counterpart, Eric Baum, as superhero characters in our ninja mm-hmm. eco-warrior outfits, right? <laughs> and so she's drawing up these, these pictures. You know, same thing. The band, uh, the AP Music Theory class comes in and says, Coach, we'd like to be a part two. Next thing you know, we have our, our, our uh, 
theme song for our our program. That's awesome. The, the same way out out in. Um, out in uh, the public, uh, a billboard company calls me up and says, hey, you know, I really like what you're doing. Um, I'd like to help out. We'll donate this billboard space to you for a period of three months so you can put your message up. So what we found is that people are extremely eager to do the right thing. And I believe that. I think all people are born uh, regardless of where they're from, all people are born with the inherent desire to do the right thing when given the right set of circumstances. And I believe when you have something that people can believe in, and these students have done that, they have given the people something to believe in and an option that's easy. If it's not easy, if it's not simple, then they're not going to want to do it. So what did we do? We set it up to where it was Come in when you're doing your regular shopping, walk over to the counter, drop off your meds, the pharmacist takes it, go do your regular shopping, and away you go. I love it. I yeah, mean, it, that, that is so perfect because you, at every point of this program, kept the end users and the community in mind. Tell us the website because I know our listeners are going to want to replicate this program in their community. What's yeah, your website? It's www.p. 2D2, that's P as in Paul, D as in dog, 2P2D2Program.org. And to be quite honest with you, we want to give it away. And so if any of my 5 million closest friends out there want the program, we want to give it to you. <laughs> we want to give it to the schools. We want to give it to the communities. You know, And that's the beauty. This thing has taken off in ways that I never imagined. Uh, Coach, you are an inspiration, and I cannot wait to shake your hand and give you the award for School of the Year. We're going to have uh, Coach Ritter's partner in crime with this uh, program coming up after the break. Don't go away. More Go Green Radio in just a moment. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com.
You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. I'm your host, Jill Buck, and I am thrilled to have you with us today. We are talking to the award winners of the Go Green School of the Year Award this year. They're going to be awarded that uh, that uh, title at the Go Green Earth Summit, and we're going to talk about that event in the last segment of the show today. It's an event you don't want to miss. Uh, but we are talking right now to... Um, Eric Bohm, who is a civics teacher at Pontiac High School in Illinois, and Pontiac is going to be named School of the Year because of their P2-D2 program, which we heard Coach Paul Ritter talking about in the last segment. But Eric had a very unique piece of it, and so I'm excited to talk with him. Welcome to Go Green Radio, Eric. Well, thank you for having us, uh, me. It's quite an honor to uh, be able to speak with you, and hopefully I will be able to represent the students well from Pontiac Township High School. Well, I think that you, you already have just by virtue of the great work that you're doing. But tell us uh, from the beginning how you got involved with P2D2 and what it was about the program that kind of caught your attention. Well, Paul came to me and explained a little bit about the process that his students had started uh, concerning the program. And, you know, he said, what do you think? And so I went to my students and I explained, you know, the fact about the pharmaceuticals in the waterway and how they get there and how we could possibly alleviate some of the harm that's being done. And so I really just kind of explained it to them, and I said, is this something, a project like this, is this something that you would like to do? And immediately they just they bought into the idea, uh, and they started to think about some of the things that we could do as a class. Mm-hmm. And what happened then? I mean, how did it evolve? Well, what we did was I really went in and found some of the scientific evidence of uh, what was happening concerning pharmaceuticals, and then I educated them so they knew exactly what was taking place. Uh, after that, what we did was we kind of brainstormed as a class about, you know, what are some things that we could do to push this issue forward, you know, since it's a uh, civics class, uh, Illinois studies class, uh, you know, what were some things that we could take from our perspective? And so what the students did was they decided we needed to break up into groups and uh, create an action plan. Uh, for example, we had a group that had to contact the media. We had a group that contacted uh, that contacted representatives and senators from the state of Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was a huge litany of things uh, that was going on. It was kind of like a little production room. We would go to the media center, and the students would work by themselves to uh, come up with an idea. And then after this, after we contacted all these different organizations, um, we put together this, this plan of where we would go from there. Mm-hmm. And, and I've got a question for you. Um, when it comes to dealing with the media, you know, one of the things I really liked about the program when I read about it at first was how positive it was. It was inclusive. It wasn't scary or wasn't playing the blame game. How did you deal with the media and make this, even though it's, a, it's kind of alarming that there are pharmaceuticals in the, in the water, how, how did you 
you know, what was your tone with the media when your students reached out? You know, I, th- I think that was kind of the, the beauty of this whole program was the fact that we had students that were educating citizens of the United States, and specifically uh, this community, um, because they weren't out to try to tell people that what they had done in the past was wrong and that mm-hmm. they should be ashamed of what they had done. It was, okay, this is what we've done in the past, but this is what we could do in the future to ensure the the water quality for many generations. And I think with that tone being set, people are more uh, receptive to what your message is. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you're absolutely right. And obviously that worked because the community sure did get involved, didn't they? Yeah, it, it's been, you know, overwhelming support from the community. Uh, Paul and I have been asked to go to several different communities uh, to give talks concerning uh, what it is that we're doing and what the students have been able to accomplish. And, you know, this this program has really kind of jump-started a lot of other things. You know, for example, I know people that are starting to recycle because of this program. Even though this talks about the proper disposal of, of medicines, people are recycling. Uh, they're, they're being more conscious of, of their daily activities and their actions. I love that because actually in the first segment of today's show, we were talking to the principal of Walnut Grove Elementary, which is being named School of the Year at the elementary level, and that's exactly what he said too. There, that school's entree into the Go Green initiative was recycling, and from that came many, many other things. Once people started one activity, other things grew, and, and now solar is a very big deal at, um, you know, at that campus, and, mm-hmm. but it started with one, one simple project that had nothing to do with solar, but it had to do with conservation, mm-hmm. and then it started to grow organically from there. It sounds like the same thing is happening in your community as well. Yeah, you know, I just received an email from one of my former students, and now she's in college, and she was explaining to me how she's part of the Eco Club at Illinois State University, and she wants to do this program at the university. And so she was discussing how she went to the club and was talking about what we were doing at the high school, and she's so excited about it. And, you know, it's it's pretty overwhelming as a high school teacher to think that what it is you're doing has such an impact on these students' lives that they want to continue the process of educating people even when they're not in your classroom. That's got to be amazing because the ripple effect of this program, I think, is going to be quite large. And we're talking about the water supply, so the ripple effect analogy, I think, is pretty good. I really feel like once you know the the general public, and we start you know with Go Green Radio, and then we give you the the Go Green School of the Year award. Um, I really believe that the program that you and Paul put together is going to ripple not just around the country, but around the world, um, because it's so so elemental. The water that we drink, we have to have it. It's not a luxury. It's an essential, and you're protecting that water supply. Now, you've helped your students learn the nexus between scientific information and public policy. Um, have there been any instances in which the students got, a, got great feedback from public policymakers and they really felt like they had a voice? Because as a civics teacher, I would imagine that would be your greatest hope, is that the kids would really you know, get a passion for civic engagement. Right. You know, I'd like to say that we received 100% feedback from all the politicians <laughs> that we con- uh, contacted because mm-hmm. not only did we contact 
118 representatives and 59 senators from the state of Illinois, but we also talked about committees and subcommittees at the federal level. Mm-hmm. So we sent out faxes, hundreds of faxes to all these different uh, senators and representatives. But, you know, the big thing has been the contacts that we have received have all been positive. Uh, for example, there was a representative that was on his way down to Springfield, and we happened to be on a radio station in Bloomington. And the students were talking about the program, and the representative was listening to the station, and he made mention of that on his letter that he had sent back to the class. Oh, so, wow. you know, the, the students obviously were able to see that what it was they were doing in class was making an impact and it was positive, and we have not had any real negative uh, things come back at us. So it's it's been overwhelming. That is fantastic. Uh, tell us about some of your students in terms of, uh, you know, how did they engage in different ways? You know, you had several projects going on, so you were dealing with media. Tell us some idea how, how the students were interfacing with media. Besides radio, what else did they do? Well, it, it's it's pretty amazing. You know, here I am, 35 years old, and, and I guess I, I didn't grow up with the Internet, but I can kind of get through it. But then when you put a 14, 15, 16-year-old in front of the, the web and, and give them access to be able to go out and find information, uh, they were emailing and contacting everybody, it seemed like. It was pretty, you know, unreal to see them. You know, contact somebody at NBC. Okay, I found this email, so I want to go ahead and contact them and let them know. Uh, Lee Hamilton, who was part of the uh, 9-11 Commission report, yeah. I contacted him and let him know what we were doing because he had had a uh, segment on a radio station concerning civic engagement. Uh-huh. And I and he was talking about that we need to do more civic engagement, not necessarily service learning. And so I told him about what we were doing. And he emailed me back and was very uh, positive in his remarks concerning what what it was we were doing. Wow. And it's just really, you know, the students have been able to go out and find contacts that I never thought of, yeah. that Paul never thought of. And, and it's been, you know, pretty awesome. I mean, that's why I'm speaking with you. One of our students was able to contact you, mm-hmm. and uh, from what I understand. So it's been, you know, just awesome. Well, and, and I love looking at your your school's website, too, because a lot of schools have, you know, a great, um, you know, website out there. You've really been helping your community reach these goals and, and, and objectives for your, for your campus, and it's so exciting to see what you're doing. In the minute that we have left before this segment ends, what advice would you give other civics teachers um, that are out there that might want to get involved in something like this? First of all, ask your students what do they want to do. What what is it that drives them? You know that that's what I've tried to do is what what would you like to do, and you can tie it to to your curriculum. You know this ties so easily, even though it's dealing with pharmaceuticals in the waterway. It ties with being a good citizen Absolutely. and this concept of being stewards of the earth. You know, one thing that I talked about was the fact that Article 11 of the Illinois Constitution says that all people in the state of Illinois must provide a healthful environment for each other. And as a citizen, we must not just think of ourselves, but we must think of others. I love it. I love it. And and this is such a great way to let the kids be as creative and as engaged as possible. Eric, 
you are a role model, and I am so excited and, and so happy that you're going to be receiving this award for School of the Year. Congratulations to you, and thanks for joining us on Go Green Radio. Well, thank you very much. It's very humbling to think that you know somebody from Central Illinois can, can receive an award such as this. Well, well hey, I'm you. from Southern Illinois, so <laughs> I live in California now, but, uh, but great things go out of uh, the land of Lincoln. Thank you, Eric. Don't go away, folks. We'll be right back with more Go Green Radio. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Tolvanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Tolvanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Today we've been talking with the winners of the Go Green School of the Year Award. This year we have our fourth annual Go Green Earth Summit coming up. We've been doing this since 2005, and uh, we've had some pretty amazing award winners, but every year just seems to get better and better. And this uh, segment, uh, we're going to talk about what the Earth Summit is all about. First of all, it's going to be held in Syracuse, New York, uh, October 17th and 18th. And it's something you really don't want to miss. If you can make it out to Syracuse on those days, here's what you're going to be able to look forward to. We have some of the greatest speakers that you can find in the country on environmental public policy issues, environmental education. This is a gathering that is very unique. You know, there are a lot of conferences that serve one segment of the population, like, for instance, teachers. They have annual conferences or parents. You know, we have PTA conferences, principals, school board members. Each have their own individual conferences. But the Go Green Earth Summit brings together all of those groups. We bring together teachers, parents, principals, mayors, city council members, school board members, professional recyclers, all around one table, all speaking the same language. Let's turn our communities green. This year, the mayor of Syracuse, 
Matthew Driscoll is going to be one of our opening acts. He's an amazing man. Uh, because of his leadership, the city of Syracuse has been named the Emerald City of New York. They were the Go Green City of the Year last year, and they've really created a role model situation in which different community segments from all over the community, whether they're nonprofits, uh, local government, businesses, schools are all talking the same language and all working together to create a green community. So if you come to the Go Green Earth Summit, you are going to see how that works, a living laboratory of a green community where all the stakeholders are talking the same language. We're going to have the president of the National Recycling Coalition, David Refkin, as one of our headliners. He is also uh, the director of sustainable development at Time Incorporated, and he has seen just about everything in the world of recycling and environmentally responsible business practices um, and environmental education, and he's going to be talking with us. Rick Fedrizi, who is the president, CEO, and founding chairperson of the U.S. Green Building Council, will be joining us. Uh, Dr. Nancy Cantor, the chancellor of Syracuse University, will be joining us, and many, many more. If you want to find out more information about the Go Green Earth Summit, I hope that you will go to www.gogreeninitiative.org. On the homepage, you'll see some information about how to sign up for the Go Green Initiative. And if you can't find it, if you have any trouble, just email me at gogreenradio.com, at gmail.com. I'm sorry, gogreenradio at gmail.com. But let's talk for a little bit about what the Go Green Initiative is. You've heard me reference it many times on this show because that's my fourth baby. I have three kids, but my fourth baby is the Go Green Initiative. And um, when we have the Go Green Earth Summits, I really get excited because it's a chance to shine a spotlight on some of our key communicators, some of our schools that have done a great job, individuals who've done a great job. But the Go Green Initiative began as a schools program. Now, a lot of folks will say, gosh, you know, out there in the environmental world, why do you start with schools? Well, there's a lot of reasons. First of all, you know, if we believe that the U.S. Census Bureau is correct, then by the year 2050, uh, the Earth's population will be up to 9 billion people. Right now, we're just at 6 billion. So if we do the simple math, that means by the year 2050, when today's students are grown-ups, um, there will only be 25% of the natural resources per person available to each person than, uh, than there were in 1950. Uh, so folks in the year 2050 will only have 25% of the natural resources available to them that people in 1950 had. So if our schools are going to do a great job of educating our students about what it's going to take for them to live successful lives, and to, to live and prosper the way we hope they will, then one of the things we're going to have to teach them in schools is how to manage natural resources. Because more people means fewer natural resources per capita. So if we teach them now how to be good stewards of the environment, then we're going to help them learn the skills they need for a successful future. Also, we know that you know, schools are found in every community. And in every community, schools are a pretty significant source of waste generation. Um, you look in the dumpster behind any given school, and you know, there's a lot of waste back there. But when schools are involved in the Go Green initiative, what we're finding is just like um, Bill Radulovich, our principal at Walnut Grove Elementary that you heard during the first segment, what he said was that you know, we started recycling uh, one thing. We started recycling paper, and then it led to recycling plastic, aluminum, ink cartridges. And if you look in the dumpster behind that school today, there's far less in it, almost nothing in it, 
compared to what there was before they started the Go Green initiative. They're pulling out all the recyclables. They're pulling out the food waste. So that means that communities with schools who are doing the Go Green initiative are actually sending less stuff to the landfill, which is a community benefit all of its, all of its own because the longer we can uh, go without building new landfills, that's taxpayer dollars that are being saved. So that's why the Go Green initiative, even if you don't have children in school, that's why it's a great benefit to any community member because, first of all, community members or taxpayers are the ones paying the tax or the uh, waste hauling bill for schools. And so if we're sending less uh, to, the, to the landfill from schools, then we're saving money. It costs less if you are sending less to the landfill. But, you know, schools have a long-term impact as well. Um, just like these wonderful teachers from the Go Green Schools of the Year told us with the P2D2 program, uh, Eric Bohm was telling us how one of his students went on to college and she wants to take the program that she was working on in high school last year with her to Illinois State University. Schools that teach kids these inspiring things like you can make a difference, you can change the world, you can reach out to your elected officials. Kids never lose that empowerment. And so with great teachers and great principals like we talked to today, the, the effects of the Go Green initiative, whether it's with the program to recycle, whether it's with the program to have solar on the roofs, or a program that helps kids engage with their elected officials or the media about important issues, hey, that never ends. And that's a really, really positive thing. That's why the Go Green initiative, the program that I run, started with schools. And if you come to the Go Green Earth Summit, what you're going to see is a lot of people who understand the impact that starting such a program at schools has on the entire community. That's why the mayor of Syracuse is so excited about bringing the Go Green Initiative Earth Summit to his city. And and what you're going to see there uh, are businesses and exhibitors, professional recyclers, all getting excited about this program that brings the youth of America along on the ride, uh, what Bill Radulovich described as the green wave. Um, what an exciting thing to be part of. And a lot of people will say, gosh, there's a lot of environmental education programs out there. Why is the Go Green initiative, uh, why did it go from, you know, the kitchen table where I wrote it in May of 2002 to being active in all 50 U.S. states? We're in 13 countries, we're on four continents. What makes the Go Green Initiative different from other programs that have been out there for a while? And I say it's a couple of things. First of all, you heard it today. You heard Bill Radulovich, you heard Paul Riddle, uh, Ritter and uh, Eric Bohm talking about how they made the program their own. The Go Green Initiative is not prescriptive. Uh, each of these leaders in school communities took the Go Green Initiative and made it what they needed it to be. They made their own goals, their own objectives, and then used the resources of the Go Green Initiative to make it work for their communities. Um, and that makes it really special. It's not just uh, one monolithic program that looks the same on every single campus. It's very, very um, geographic and age-appropriate specific. You can take it and make it your own. But one of the things that these um, teachers and principals communicated that I think also makes the Go Green Initiative special is that it's very student-centric. In other words, at the high school level, you heard how they made it something that the kids wanted to do. The kids were the ones that were leading. At the elementary level, uh, the way that the principal inspired the teachers and parents to really get going. 
was to make sure that it was all about children and what their future was going to be and creating a better future for them with our efforts today. So I want to thank you for joining us for Go Green Radio today. We really enjoyed talking with our Go Green Schools of the Year, Bill Radulovich at Walnut Grove Elementary, Paul Ritter and Eric Bohm from Pontiac High School in Illinois. Please don't miss a chance to go to www.gogreeninitiative.org and check out the information about the 2008 Go Green Earth Summit. You don't want to miss it. I'll see you there. This is Jill Buck with Go Green Radio. We'll see you again next week. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.